Good morning. Oh, that's quite cheery. How are you doing this morning? Tracy Thomas is marvellous. Why are you marvellous, Tracy? It's a sunny day. It's as superficial as that for you, is it? Right. Okay. Just have a little listen to what I have to say this morning, all right? We're going to turn to Psalm 131, and we're going to look at the Word of God together. We're continuing our journey through the songs of ascent. Um, if you've not been with us before, these psalms are about the people of God together going to Jerusalem to celebrate all that God has done. And they are songs. They would walk and talk and sing together to remind themselves of truth, to celebrate what God had done in their lives. And we're going through them together as a church, learning what it means to walk with God together. I'm hoping today what we can pick out from this psalm is something very practical, something very helpful for us as the people of God together. But before I start, I'd like everyone to stand up. Yeah, a bit of of participation, yeah. It's 20 past 10 in the morning, we've got to do something, yeah? Right, hands up. Hands up. High as you can, right. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to respond using your arms, okay? I'm going to ask you, how content are you feeling this morning? How how content, okay? Tracy Thomas is trying to reach the sky because it's sunny. So she's well content, the sun is shining. Maybe, maybe you know, 80% down here, 50 here, 40, 30. I am at the lowest low down here. So uh, I'm going to ask the question again and you respond. You ready? How content are you this morning? Okay. I think virtually everyone is above 50%. Thank you for that. Just a, like a, a dip test for me, just to work out where people are at. Make sure you're awake before we even start. Good, good, good. Gives you a little hint about what we might be looking at through the psalm this morning, but let's read the psalm together. So, Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. A beautiful, simple, short psalm. Don't be deceived by the imagery, my friends. Don't be deceived by the imagery. This talks about a weaned child that is content, but this psalm is about a battle. It's about a fight. It's about giving energy and effort into contending for our contentment. That's what I'd put to you this morning. That's what, if you want a title for the psalm that we're looking at today, contending for contentment, maybe a good summary, okay? Contending for contentment. um, It was Sijo here, I need Sijo. You just come and stand here, Sijo. You're just gonna help me a little bit. Just gonna stand there, if that's all right. Just turn around, face the front, that's it. Okay, you you all right? You okay? We just played a game called Stamp Champ. I won. It was the first person to stamp on someone else's foot. I'm the champion. I'm the winner. Think, ah! He won round two. Sidjo didn't know he was in a fight, so had no chance of winning. He didn't know he was in a battle. If we want to win battles or fights, we need to know we're in one. Let me tell you something this morning. We're in a fight 
a battle for our contentment. Now, what's the psalm alerts us, this, alerts us to this battle. And God's plan for us is that we would be content. The enemy's plan for us is that we would not be content. Now, let's just take a look at what the New Testament says about contentment, just to give us a broader context before we delve fully into the psalm. Let's turn to uh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 12. Very familiar, but very helpful. This is Paul, the great apostle. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So when I talk about God's plan for us being content, I'm not talking about him giving us everything we want in our lives so that we're happy. I'm talking about us making sure we are focused on him and who he is, because he is the secret to contentment. I'm talking about having a life that totally and utterly glorifies him, because we're not seeking anything else but his glory. That's where contentment is found. So though it may sound like a slightly selfish statement to, to contend for our contentment, actually it's God-focused and God-glorifying. And therefore, we need to be aware of the tools and the weapons and the battleground in order that we might fight effectively. And the psalmist here gives us a really good helping hand with those things. Let's see what we can learn from the psalmist. So verse one, my heart is not proud, O Lord, my eyes are not haughty. The psalmist, his first advice, his first piece of advice would be this, put away pride. If we want to be those who are content in the Lord, we need to put away pride. And we need to embrace Humility, why? Well, pride is thinking too much of ourselves. Pride says, I deserve more. Pride is never satisfied. You see, we are people who have received abundant grace from God. If we know our true position before him, we know everything we have in this world is a gift from him. And everything we have in this world, we do not deserve. In a place of humility, therefore, thankfulness comes forward rather than a desire for more. And in some senses, we can get into a situation where we we say, God, we, we don't say these words, but we kind of say, I deserve more grace. Grace is the undeserved favour of God. So to say that we deserve more grace makes no sense whatsoever. So what what do I mean? We can be in situations where we say, God, I deserve deserve a bigger house than this. I shouldn't be living like this. Or we can say, Lord, I've I've been on my own for so many years. I deserve a partner. And we may not use those words, but in our heart, there's that kind of the situation where we ourselves think we deserve more. And I would suggest that it is bred by living in a Western society where lots of things are easily acceptable, accessible. But the fact of the matter is that the very breath I am now breathing is a gift of grace from God. Because what I deserve is death. What I deserve is the wrath of a holy God to be poured out on me for eternity. What I deserve is for my sin to be totally and utterly punished on me. 
But you and I know that's not happened. You and I know that the Savior, Jesus, the righteous one, has taken the wrath of the Father. He's taken the punishment I deserve, that I might stand before God, not just to be saved, but to be adopted into his family, to be guaranteed eternity with him. All these things are gifts of grace. And we need to be thankful for them. We need to set aside pride. We need to set aside the attitude that says, I deserve more. But there's another form of pride that needs to be dealt with as well. The second part of verse 1, it says, I do not concern myself with great matters. And the original, the original Hebrew phrase here, being a Hebrew scholar, um, I've read someone else say this. The original Hebrew phrase is a little bit more complex. and It kind of means... I don't concern myself with overstretching myself. I don't try and take on too much. I don't try and do things I know I can't do. I don't try and be God. Now, Dan mentioned that as it was part of Psalm 127, so I don't want to say too much on that, because that's been covered already, but it's a form of pride that can, can, can work against our contentment when we try and do more than we're actually able to do. And then just a little further down, I don't concern myself with things too wonderful for me. Too wonderful means too supernatural, too beyond me, beyond my understanding. The psalmist has got this attitude. He's happy to leave the big questions with a big God. He's not trying to work every single detail out. He's not trying to get answers to every single question. He knows there are some things he just has to trust to the goodness and the character of God. I don't know what he's experienced. I don't know what he's gone through. I don't know what you've experienced or what you've gone through. Maybe, maybe you've lost a job recently and you don't know why that's happened. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe at school, it's just really difficult at the moment and your friends aren't being very nice to you and you've prayed about it and nothing's changed. You don't know why. You say, God, why is, this, why, is this, why is my life like this? I don't get it. Now, we can get some partial answers, but in the end, many big questions just rely on us giving them to a big, good God. Knowing his character, knowing what he's done for us, and saying, I trust you, Lord. I've seen what you've done through Jesus, and I'm going to trust this with you as well. Pride seeks to get answers to every single question and won't be satisfied until it does. We need to set aside pride and embrace humility, an attitude that says, let God be God, and I'll be a man that serves him. So we need to deal with our pride. What else does the psalmist suggest? He suggests that we should deal with our immature reactions. And verse 2, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. The psalmist is describing a journey from babyhood to weaned childhood. Now, I'm going to attempt... If, is, what's the youngest baby? Would they, if there's a baby here who would who'd be comfortable with me holding them for about two minutes, I'd like to hold a baby. But if not, I can do it without that. I'm looking. Is she asleep, Tom, or not? She's a wiggler. Hands up if you're a weaned child. That should be most of you in the room. Um, Ed, well done. Well volunteered. Come on. Hello, beautiful. You right, Kitty? Right, we have in front of us a not quite weaned child and a weaned child. <laughs> so this, 
let's pretend Bess is a little bit younger, okay? Um, so her single focus in life, really, is milk. So that's what she wants. That's what she's after. Breast milk is where it's at. It's the deal. She's not, she doesn't, doesn't care about rice cake. She doesn't care about anything else. All she wants is breast milk. And when she doesn't get that, there's an extreme expression of emotion. That's not happiness, that's not smiling, it's not gurgling. It's screaming as loud as she can until she gets what she wants. It's a single focus. She is also reliant on others. I've never seen a baby this size change her own nappy. She needs help. All her energy in a difficult situation is spent on expressing her emotion and her feelings and not on solving the problems. I'm not judging her, I'm just stating the situation. She has no ability or desire to solve any of her own problems. She can't do that. And she can't be reasoned with or talked out of it. And she can't talk herself out of that situation either. Can you, darling? <laughs> Thank you. Well done, Ed. It's a weaned child. He's satisfied with a wide range of things, a wide range of food. For instance, pizza, chips, burgers. Not, he's not after breast milk anymore. <laughs> You're not, are you? No. <laughs> he has a wide range of emotions. He's not just happy or extremely angry. He gets a wide range. He can be happy. Surprised? <laughs> Concerned? <laughs> Pensive? <laughs> a wide range of emotions, and he's able to express them. He can solve some of his own problems. He can tie his own shoelaces. No, okay. <laughs> Step too far. But he can do something about it. He can think about others and how the situation affects them. He's not just thinking about himself. And his energy is not just focused on expressing how he's feeling, he can spend some energy in solving that problem. He can be diverted away from that into solving his problems. And you can be reasoned with, looking at Tracy, yeah. Can reason, and he can talk himself out of situations and sort himself out. Because you're a weaned child. And you're doing a great job of standing there. Well done. When wean, weaned children act like babies, it's wrong. And when adults act like babies, it's really wrong. Now, I'm looking at there. I, I said to Karis there was nothing happening. I did have a video here, but we're not going to do the video. I forgot to tell Karis about it. But you can look it up later. Just look up on YouTube, adults acting like babies. Lots of fun in there. Um, but when adults act like babies, it's just ridiculous. Now, we, we would never do that, would we? No? In the description of just, no? Yeah. Recently, we went to Swanage, myself and my family, on holiday where my uh, in-laws live. It's a four-and-a-half-hour journey on the road, so with a break, about five-and-a-half hours. It took us ten. I don't enjoy packing. I don't enjoy traveling. I'll put it out there, just being honest with you. An hour-and-a-half into the journey, we hear a bang, and then a purple flash flies past the window at the back. Jill's like, what's going on? What's going on? We pulled over. Our roof rack had broken and come open and things had fallen out onto the motorway, including a travel cot. Like, the small rackets and towels and little things hadn't fallen out. A massive travel cot had fallen out of the roof box. I mean, it's, so we phoned up the highways agency. No one's dead, we don't think. 
There might be a travel cot on the motorway. You might want to clear it up. Thanks very much. And we carried on our way. Obviously, it wasn't a joyful experience. The already slightly stressful feeling in my soul was beginning to increase. We carried on. Lily, our youngest, who's about the same age as Bess, decided that the best way to travel in style is to scream at the furthest point away from a service station. Not two minutes away, 45 minutes away. So for 45 minutes, I'm in the back of the car going... Not toy, 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 food, food, food. And she's just getting more and more upset, more and more screaming. I wasn't blessed by that, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't encouraging my soul. The stress levels are about here now. I was still smiling, still smiling. But inside, something was going on that wasn't very pleasant. So we stopped at a very gorgeous service station, Gloucester service stations. Check it out. Beautiful, yeah. Architecturally excellent. It's like a farm shop off off the motorway, but hidden under um, Hobbit Hills. It's beautiful. Just go down there. Don't don't stop when you travel. Just go and visit. It's beautiful. Anyway, (laughs) stop there. Come off. My turn to drive. My turn to drive. Um, Off we go down the motorway, uh, down the M40. Eventually, we start aiming for Swanage, by the way. Looking for the A34. Eventually, we see signs for the M25. Jules, the signs for the M25. Have we missed the junction? I think we we missed the junction. So, get out. We have missed the junction. We are 45 minutes past the A34. In my heart, I am assuming Jules has made the mistake. It was on her watch. It was pre-service station. Pre-service station, A34. She's not seen it. I've been in the back entertaining the, remember? I couldn't focus on signs. She has been driving. I'd like to say at that point in time, I said, darling, (laughs) it doesn't matter. It's just time. It's just time. We'll turn around and drive back. I took off my beanie. I threw it at the dashboard. And I began to vent in a way that no man should ever vent. I wasn't aiming it at my children. I wasn't aiming it at my wife. But I think their eardrums were hurt. I think there was pain inflicted upon them. Emotionally and physically, it was wrong. I was an adult behaving like a baby. I had one single focus, to get to Swanage in the quickest time possible. I wasn't thinking about solving the problem. I was entirely focused on expressing my emotion. That was the most important thing to me. I didn't care what other people thought. Have you, have you, have you seen the journey I've had? I'm just going to tell you. It's a nightmare what we do. What are we going to Swanage? Five hours? Ten hours? Well, I just want to go home. It wasn't quite that high, but it adds more humour in retrospect. <laughs> Jules, very gracefully, was suggesting that I might want to calm down. I don't want to calm down! <laughs> don't tell me to calm down! We missed the junction! And it's your fault! Just to point out, I did check the map later, and it was, it was on my watch. <laughs> Possibly the most painful moment of the holiday. It was a Immediately come out of the service station, that's when it was. Anyway, we as adults, I think we can, well, I'm hoping the rest of you have other examples as well when we've behaved like that. When something's just got hold of us and we've not calmed and quietened ourselves like a weaned child. And as it was happening, I knew what I was preaching on. I was like, Lord, no, don't give me a personal example for the message. <laughs> Please, let me find another one of someone else doing it. But, Uh, I stand here before you today 
I just, it happened. It wasn't good. I'm not proud of it. It was humorous in retrospect, but it wasn't good. I had to sit down with the family and apologize. I shouldn't behave like that. I shouldn't do that. Life creates reactions. It creates emotions in more in, in more in-depth and more serious situations than what I've described. And the psalmists give voice to the emotions. Emotions aren't wrong. So Psalm 130, the psalmist says, out of the depths I cry. 25 talks about loneliness. 31 talks about sorrow. 7 about turmoil. 44 about shame. 6 about grief. There's lots of emotions that the psalmists give expression to. So I'm not saying that expressing or feeling emotions is wrong. The psalmist says, if you want to be content, then we've got to respond well and react well to those emotions. We've got to deal with our baby-like reactions, our immature reactions to life, to the situations and to the challenges that we face. I don't know how you've responded when you've lost a job or when life's not going your way or when someone cuts you up in the traffic. But if we are not calming and quietening ourselves like a weaned child, then we're giving room for discontentment to step in. And remember, we're talking about a battle here. This is a fight. There was a battle at stake in that car. What am I going to seek my contentment in? What am I going to do? And I lost that battle. Eventually won it, but lost it at that point in time. The enemy would have us respond like babies, like the world revolves around us. God would have us respond with maturity, calming ourselves and working out a way forward. I'm not saying we can't have emotions or reactions or be down or find life difficult, but we need to see the battle and make sure we are fighting it. What else does the psalmist advise? Verse 3, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. It seems to me that this advice about hoping in the Lord... The first two are about clearing the space to make sure that's what we're doing. We're getting rid of pride, getting rid of our immature reactions. We're calming and quieting ourselves so actually we can come to the place of contentment, which is to hope in the Lord, to trust in him. It's what he's learned. He's obviously gone through a difficult situation. He's obviously been in a place of discontentment. And he's gone, this is not right. It's down to my pride. I've got to deal with that. My emotions and reactions are immature. I need to deal with those. And I need to hope and trust in the Lord. We know we should hope in the Lord, don't we? We know that's the right thing to do. But often we place our hope in other places, our trust, our security in different places. Now, if you're under 10, can you tell me what this is? Anyone know under 10? Sarah. Skipping rope. That's because you've been to Bears Camp, and that's what we use a climbing rope for at Bears Camp. It's a very, very long skipping rope, but it is a climbing rope, and it makes a great noise if you swing it around quickly. It's a climbing rope. At Bears Camp as well, there is a 50-foot climbing wall. And a climbing rope hangs from the top to a B layer, then goes onto the person climbing. Let me suggest to you that rope is like God. Long and thin. No. The rope, when you're climbing, is your security. It's what you're trusting in, it's what you're hoping in to keep safe. That's how it's like God. 
Now, I've observed at the Bears Camp climbing wall different reactions to climbing that wall. Different ways of climbing it, different ways of dealing with it. And there are very few that actually get to the top. And those that are do are either very, 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 very good climbers, or they, they know they can trust the rope. But there are many that don't make it there. There are some, and I'd like to point out, these are not any kids from our church. There are some, they do this, they go... That's me, done. So I've literally seen a child do that, that's it. And they go, come on, you can do more. No, no, that's it, done. He has no confidence, no trust, no hope in that rope whatsoever. All he's trusting in his own ability to get up that wall and his own ability to rescue himself. So he thinks, right, I'm, I'm two foot up. I can jump from that height safely. I'm not going any further. He has no confidence in the rope whatsoever. And maybe there are some of us who just don't get on in our lives, in our spiritual walk. We just can't get off the mark. And it comes down to this. We're not trusting God. We're not hoping in him. We can't make that step forward. There are others that climb a bit higher and it's easy at the start and then it gets harder and higher. And when it gets to the hard point, they just grip on for sheer fear and, don't, and won't move. And at that point, different things can happen. I've seen it with my, my um, she's now six, she was four at the time, a climbing wall, she went up. She's a really good climber and she's confident. She thought she'd get to the top. But she got to the middle and she froze She's never had to use a rope before because she's always just got to the top and either jumped off and have caught her on a lower one or just then come down. She's never had to do a rope that person. She couldn't trust the rope at all. And she froze. And she, her response was this, Daddy, Daddy, come and get me. Daddy, Daddy, come and get me. That is the worst thing I could have done. That is far, far more dangerous than her trusting in the rope for me to come and rescue her and me to come and save her. Because I've got to climb and climb down with her. That's not good. And there are times in our lives that perhaps, may I suggest, this is stretching the illustration a little bit, but let's do it anyway. There are times when we just say, someone else help me, someone else help me in this situation. And actually, we've just got to trust the rope. We've got to trust God. There are times when no one can help us. We've got to trust him. And fundamentally, that's got to be the place anyway. There are others in that situation who said, I've not brought my climbing shoes with me. I can't go any further. I've just got my trainers. And they blame their equipment. I haven't got what I need. I haven't got what I need to be satisfied. I haven't got what I need to be content. I can't do it. I can't get up because I haven't got the right equipment. And maybe there are times in our lives when we're stuck and we're dissatisfied. We we haven't got the things I need to be happy. The house I've got is just not great. The job's difficult. Have you seen my range of toys? My Lego is pathetic. I need more Lego to be satisfied can creep in. Or maybe you, they're in there thinking, I'm not used to this climbing rule. I need to be somewhere else. This is not the right place for me. I can only climb when there's a mat at the bottom. There's no mat. And sometimes we can say, oh, how can I be satisfied here? How can I be, how can I be satisfied in this place? I should be there. I, I, God's brought me here, but I don't, I don't belong here. I should be somewhere else. How can I be satisfied? And maybe for people who are displaced in the world, that could be part of their thinking. How can I be satisfied? I should be in my home country, but I've been forced out of it. But none of those excuses actually count. They, 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 they make things more difficult. But the psalmist says this, we need to hope in the Lord. We need to hope 
in the rope. We need to trust in him. If we're going to win the battle for contentment, fundamentally, we've got to get rid of our pride, deal with our reactions, and we've got to be focused on him. We've got to be focused on the Lord. If we're going to hope in anything but the Lord, it is silly. It's not going to work. It won't save. It won't satisfy. It won't bring contentment. Let's just have a look in Isaiah 55 briefly. It says this in verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest of fare. It is God talking to his people. It's an invitation to them. It's the same invitation to us now. What are you going to be satisfied in? The things of the world? Or are you going to be satisfied with me? The richest of fare. His presence, who he is, his majesty. Are we going to be satisfied with that? Or seek our contentment elsewhere? He is truly wonderful. And what he has done for us is amazing. We heard that in Psalm 130. His salvation is a free gift and it is outstanding. But I don't know what you've noticed as well in this psalm, there's not much about God's work or God's salvation. That doesn't mean it's not part of the background or part of his thinking. But what I really want to underline in this is actually, well, let's just read the psalm again, and I'll underline it through my vocal accenting. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I... Have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I, I, me, me, I. We are a people founded on the grace of God. We have nothing without Him. We, have, we could not even think about relating to Him if He hadn't sorted us out through the cross. No chance. And I've, I don't know if you've heard that phrase, let go and let God. Sounds great, doesn't it? A bit fluffy. Let go and let God. Tom, let go and let God. Hmm. There's some validity to it, some situations. But the psalmists would say, work out your salvation. Work it out. You've got something to do here. There's some decisions to be made. Are you proud? Deal with it. Sort it out. Have you got immature reactions? Calm and quiet yourself. We've got something to do here. It's not just like, I'm just going to let it happen, guys, and the whole spirit will help me and that's it. I can't do it myself. I'm going to wait for God. Now, we'll come back to that in a second, but the psalmist's encouragement and my encouragement, I think the word of God would encourage us, we need to make difficult decisions sometimes. We need to realize that our emotions are not necessarily a true reflection of situations. Just because we're offended doesn't mean that person's been offensive. Just because we feel it. But sometimes our feelings can completely dominate what we think and our actions. But the psalmist says, calm and quiet yourself. Philippians 2.12 says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God's given us the gift of salvation. We have a responsibility to work out what it means to be righteous before a God. Yeah? 
We've not been given salvation that we can slack off. We've not been given righteousness that we might walk in unrighteousness. It's the opposite. We've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Who's been watching the Olympics? Everybody. Most people. If you've not been watching the Olympics, come on. It's amazing. Um, favorite events so far? Shout it out. That's not shouting. That's murmuring. Cycling. Di- diving. Gymnastics. Taekwondo. Slightly racist. Any more? Synchronized swimming. Well, yeah, Ed, that's right, it's a great one. <laughs> Can you imagine, right, Olympians, to get into the Olympics, you have to dedicate your life to it, basically, unless you're a, unless you're a shooter. You just practice a little bit. Everyone else, however, they dedicate their lives to it. They give themselves to it. Six days a week three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours of training to get into the Olympics. Can you imagine if an Olympian had got to Rio and said, yeah, made it. (sighs) Time to relax. (laughs) Where's the pizza? (laughs) What, you're not going to do training? Nah. Those those carbohydrates are not very good for you. (sighs) Don't matter, I'm at the Olympics now. (laughs) Don't matter at all. Stupid. You're at the Olympics to compete. You're at the Olympics to take part. You're at the Olympics to try and win. That's the point. We're, we're not saved so we can slack off. We're not given Christ's righteousness in order to increase our unrighteousness. We're those who've been saved that we might live out that salvation. But we have a responsibility to work that out with fear and trembling. But back to verse 3 hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Verse 13 of Philippians 2 says this, because the Lord is at work in you. Because the Lord is at work in you. So yes, we've got a responsibility. But actually God gives us his Holy Spirit and he works it out with us. So we, I I do want to emphasize the I bit, but I don't want to ignore the fact that God helps us. But this morning, because of the psalm we're facing, and I think the balance and the stress that God wants to bring to us is that we need to make difficult decisions sometimes. To not just ride with our pride or to go with our emotions, but to, to make difficult decisions. God helps us in our sanctification. God works in us. Let me finish by saying this. Let me conclude. Actually, Tom, do you want to come up and that's, play the guitar? That's the word. We're in a battle. The, the psalmist alerts us to this. We're in a battle and we have a role to play. We're called, we're called to find contentment in him. We not anything else. And we, we need to make radical decisions, decisions to do that. We need to recognize when discontentment creeps in and probably acknowledge that either pride or our immature reactions have some cause in that. And when we deal with them, let me suggest to you that it's far more likely than we can hope in the Lord. Because they blur our vision. They stop us being able to focus on him. And instead we can see him clearly. We get rid of our pride. Get rid of those immature reactions. And suddenly we can see him clearly in his majesty. How glorious he is. And that's where we can seek our contentment. And like the psalmist, we need to calm and quiet ourselves. Like a weaned child. Not screaming and shouting when we don't get what we want. But instead wholeheartedly placing our confidence in him and our hope in him as we work out our salvation 
in this life. Shall we stand? I'm just going to pray briefly and then we're going to worship. Let's, let's do what the psalmist encourages us to do in hoping in the Lord. Let's focus on him right now. Let's give our attention to him, whether you're 85 or not quite five. Let's focus on God right now. If it helps you by closing your eyes, then do that. If it helps you by opening your Bible to read this psalm again, then do that. I just, just as I was sitting here this morning during the worship, just trying to work out where God wanted to take us this morning in his words, I just, just felt our response is to focus on him. Pride really is focused on us. And so if we're going to put aside pride, we need to focus on him. So let's do that now. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes, but just, just take this opportunity to, to focus on the one who promises us the richest of fare. Lord, we focus on you right now. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. Lord, you're so glorious, so magnificent. We, we want to repent of our pride. Lord, Lord, we've seen it this morning, actually. Our discontentment, Lord, some of it's down to our pride. We, want, we think we deserve more. We think we should have more. And Lord, we repent of our reactions, whether they've been recent or in previous years, when they've been immature and baby-like. Lord, we, we want to set those aside as well. Lord, we recognize this and we state it to ourselves and to the enemy this morning. We are hoping in the Lord. We are trusting in you. We are pursuing you for our contentment and our satisfaction because you are the most glorious thing. Because you are the most wonderful person. Because you are our creator and our savior. Because you are good. Lord, we come to you right now and we want to worship you. We want to glorify you. We want to praise you this morning. Let's sing.